Well, welcome everybody to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. As always, it is a joy and a pleasure to be back with you as we're in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be starting in chapter 2 today. And um, and just like chapter 1, I divided uh, chapter 1 and a half into a two-part series, as I will be doing with chapter 2. And in chapter 1 again... Uh, looking at the book of Ephesians, as Paul was speaking to the people of Ephesus, um, I feel like every chapter, or even even uh, in the two folds of the chapter, I feel like what he's doing is he's kind of uh, uh, bringing us into another realm of scenery of something. Each time that he that he starts to explain one thing, and then and then he goes right into another scenery that is just again just something that needs to be seen. And uh, something that maybe was missed out on. Have you ever been somewhere before that was just so beautiful? And you think to yourself, like, my gosh, how did I miss out on this place? How did I never know it was here? And uh, thank God, you know, for the for this place and for his creation and for what he's done. And that's kind of what Paul is doing here. He's venturing us as like a tour guide through the through the uncharted territory of the of the things that we've never seen before and things that we needed to see, places that we needed to venture to spiritually. And in in the beginning of chapter 1, you know, he made known of our divine adoption. The divine adoption through Christ Jesus. The divine adoption through how, how God wanted all of these places that Paul was a minister to, including the people of Ephesus. And uh, we're going to get into that a little more today in chapter 2. But, but he, he spoke of the divine adoption in the first half of chapter 1. And I remember speaking on on that chapter, making known and asking the question, you know, maybe somebody out there that's listening, maybe maybe you were adopted. Uh, maybe your your adopted parents or your parents adopted you. And, and for some people, that doesn't always sit well. They, they, the back of their mind, they're thinking to themselves, like, I was adopted. But, you know, what a lot of people don't always realize is that that yeah, you were adopted, but but realize that you were chosen. <laughs> Somebody wanted you; they chose you. God wants and chooses everyone, but you know there was a there was a family on earth that literally chose you, and and that's what the Lord that's what the Lord was doing with us. You know, when you have your children and you you're, they're born in the hospital, you have to take them home, right? <laughs> but you know, in your case, if you were adopted, you were chosen, handpicked, if you will, and that's what we were. To our, to our Lord. We were handpicked. But then Paul cut it in half in chapter 1. From, from our spiritual adoption or our divine adoption into, into a prayer for spiritual wisdom. You know, because he, he goes into the realm of, of making known that you, as you were adopted into this family, now comes the teaching of how to live in the family. And and so he, he gave us some great insight on that of spiritual wisdom. So if you haven't heard that message, I do recommend listening to, to chapter one on both ends. You could go on the website and see the, uh, you know, that they're both chapter one and two, or I mean, sorry, chapter one, part one, chapter one, part two, divine adoption, and, and chapter one, part two, spiritual wisdom, and and that's what he gave us. He, he, he gives us spiritual wisdom. Ephesians is, is loaded with it. All the books are loaded with it. But Ephesians, especially really to me, has been was loaded with such. But now that we've gotten those things, we've gotten the spiritual wisdom, we know that we've been adopted. Now he's, he's making known that, that we have this, this grace through faith that we're having. 
and and he he's making known the deeper uh, the deeper section of this book to where he starts to bring us into that territory that I was speaking to you about. You know, it's kind of like I remember when I was a child. I remember um, going to Canada with my grandmother because on my mom's side, my grandparents were from Canada. And uh, when I was nine years old, I went with my grandmother to see to stay with her brother-in-law. And he was an avid fisherman, and I remember him and I going fishing together. I remember he took me fishing to his spot, and what's amazing was is all I remembered was pulling, um, pulling off the side of this road, and him and I were venturing through this thick forest. And I don't know how in the world he knew where this place was, because we're venturing through this thick forest of nothing but trees, but then out of nowhere comes this opening with this crystal clear lake. With with no one there, nobody was there. He knew how to get there, and and I was in reliance on following with him through this thick forest in order to come to this opening of this amazing, beautiful lake. And, and that's kind of what Paul's doing. He's venturing us through that forest to, to bring us into into some new scenery of things for us to be able to go fishing in these areas, you know. And so, uh, it, it's really quite important for us to look at the book of, uh, of Ephesians because. You know, I think the Lord also led me here too that it's uh, that it was also good for not just seasoned and, and uh, uh, veteran Christians, but also for new believers as well. This was a book that 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 catered to both. You know, it speaks to it speaks to the new believer in the Lord, and it also speaks to the uh, to the veteran believer in the Lord. And so let us uh, venture together now into chapter 2 and take a look here and see to see what else he has in store for us. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, I'll start off, and it says, and, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were um, by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So the prince of the world of the air in Paul's statement is the devil. Okay, now why and how he could be referred to as such was due to the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. When they fell due to being deceived, there became a division in the world. And that is that division of good and evil. Now, how can we, how we can know that that he has some dominion over the world was when he made the attempt to to uh, uh, to tempt Christ Jesus after his forty day fast. Jesus was fasting in the wilderness for forty days, and and Satan just happened to show up right at the end of the forty day fast when Jesus would be at his at his physical weak weakest. And so he starts to tempt him with things, and, and, and the one thing that he really kind of ended it with after the third attempt was is he takes him up on the top of the, uh, of the temple there overlooking the, overlooking the whole area, and he says that I will give you all of this, all of this, the world, okay, the kingdom of earth, if you will bow down and worship me. And Satan failed, okay? Now, Satan failed but still has dominion in this world for now until Christ comes back. For some people, there was uh, a past tense of serving the enemy, as Paul is making known, by just, and, and that's just by being a part of the world. Now, some people think, I, I never followed Satan or worshipped him. Well, they didn't follow or worship God either. 
Now, the devil could care less if you did not believe in him, as long as you don't believe in God or follow God. Because what it, what it comes down to is, is that there is no gray kingdom, there's only a kingdom of light or dark. And it is very obvious who rules each side. Paul said that we were all once in that realm. He included himself because Paul made known that he was three different things before he met Christ. He said that I was the least of the apostles. He was the worst of the saints. And then last he called himself the chief of sinners. Those were three things that he made known about himself. But by the surrender he made to the Lord and his recognition of what he was, he is no longer bound by that because Jesus provided a strong axe to cut the chain of sin that brings us down into the depths of darkness. Paul said of the things in our flesh and our minds of of sin, and, and it starts in the mind, and then it sinks to the heart, and then it flows through your hands. And, and the things that people do in the realm of sin does just that. It goes into your mind first, and then the desires go to your heart, but then it causes the action. I'm going for it. Whatever whatever it is, it could be violence, murder, theft, hurtful words, adultery, the list just goes on. But no one is without these thoughts or abilities to you know to fall. No, not one person can can do anything to earn salvation. Rewards, yes. Salvation, no. Because the price that Jesus paid on our behalf was beyond anything that we can do to redeem ourselves. He did it once. He did it once, okay? Because the blood of an animal sacrifice was just uh, it was just too thin, if you will. It cannot cover your record of sinful history. But the blood of Christ cannot be thinned out, it cannot be painted over, it cannot be washed and scrubbed to see what was written down in your, in your youth records, if you will. I, I've said before that people may be impressed with someone's testimony of, of all the crazy things they did before the days of their Christian faith. But the Lord isn't impressed with it. He uses it by his grace and mercy, but he will be more impressed with how you walk with him and live for him versus all the things that that people did in their past. I am surrounded by amazing brothers and sisters in the church I attend that have crazy testimonies. Yet, when you see them, you would never guess that they did what they did in the past. I am beyond blessed to have been accepted there and also accepted as a leader there and a teacher. But but, but the world produces survivors for those still here. Okay, That's what the world produces. Survivors for those that are still here. But God creates thrivers out of the survivors who have left the darkness. Now let's take a look at verse 4 and 5 here. But God who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love uh, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The love of God is like that or even beyond that of a loving parent. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he said. I cannot tell you how many parents have told stories about their kids from from teen to adult, uh, of all ages, living in complete darkness. But yet their hope is for them to come back, come back home to be cleaned up and to start new with the hope of flourishing in a new life. We ourselves do that because the holy perfection of our Lord does not say, well... I can let that slide over that. I'm not gonna, I can accept that more than I can that. See, God is without all things wrong. 
And knowing that we are not without all things wrong, thanks to the fall in the Garden of Eden, we are still loved regardless of our trespasses. Now, we think that only the pleasant are loved. That the lovely are loved. God loves the worst of the worst. And in fact, he has transformed the worst of the worst because he loved them and had a divine plan for them. Paul said it best. When we were dead, you know, we were made alive in Christ. Just ask millions of people today who can testify, right? I mean, we look at the olive trees in ancient Israel that, that have been grafted. And, and that was something that Paul speaks about in the book of Romans was like that of the grafting of an olive tree. Uh, what that is, is they would, uh, they would take an olive tree and sometimes an olive tree would stop producing olives. It would, it, the, uh, the branches would, uh, the, the shoots would die and they would not be able to produce the olives through the branches. So they cleverly were able to remove the branch of a healthy, um, olive tree and graft it onto the branch of that dying tree, if you will, that would produce an olive shoot to bring back life to the tree. That's something that's been done for 2,000 years. And, and there are olive trees in Israel that were there for two, more than 2,000 years that you could actually go and see yourself. But it's amazing because it takes time. You know, If you're familiar with olive trees, it, it could take about 15 years before it starts producing, once it's been planted, so that tree must be tap rooted pretty good, and then it must be it must be set in some good soil before it's going to start. And and anyone can be brought to life when grafted to the branch of the Lord. He is the vine, right? That's what he said. We are the branches, but without the vine, no fruit can be produced. But but you know, let's look a little deeper. There there, there are some wonderful saints out there, right? Morals beyond most. Uh, service works to brag a lifetime about. P- people who can love others that no one would ever associate with. Yet they still cannot come close to the sinlessness of our Lord. See, we can be Christ-like. But there is only one Christ Jesus who himself said, If you have seen the Father, you have seen me. No one is Christ incarnate. We are Christ-like. No one can be weighed on the moral scale of God. But in this recognition of our downfalls, this is not a license to deliberately sin and say, Well, I'm only human. Yes, we are. But we have the capability to say no. And we have the support of the Holy Spirit. No one is perfect, no one is without sin, but when we are so close to the Lord, when we are saturated with the Holy Spirit, then our desires to do wrong is less desirable. Because those amazing testimonies out there from people who had vices and and disregard for things that are right, they are now walking in the ways of the Lord and have more of a desire for pleasing God than their fleshly desires that goes nowhere. So, you know, God help us to to hate sin versus tolerating it. Well, we were born with it, so might as well accept it. It it is the mindset of some when, you know, we think like that. We're just born that way, might as well go with the, roll with the punches. Right? But we are called to a different mindset. To seek the things of the Lord, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates. Verse 6 to 10 says... And and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. 
Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk with them. Or walk in them, I'm sorry. Now I think to myself, you know, what a joy to know that we were raised together. And by being raised together, we grow together. And last, we go together. Going together to heaven. And Paul makes known that the reason that happened is because of what Christ did. You know, for us, what he did for us. He came, he died, he rose again and went to heaven and is preparing a place, as he said to the disciples. I go there to prepare a place for you. That the gift is a gift beyond measure. Now, if I could explain this in a way of what Paul is saying uh, to help us understand a little bit. If someone gave you a gift... You wouldn't turn around and say, well, oh, thank you. How much do I owe you? <laughs> it is a gift. It was thought of for you, paid by the gift giver, and given to you with love. We wouldn't say that to someone knowing that it was a gift. And no one can say to the Lord, what do I owe you for dying on the cross and taking all of my sins and giving me a place in heaven? Well, we couldn't, because there is, there is no amount of works or deeds that we could do in a lifetime to make up what he did for us on the cross. It, it, it would be insulting to him for us to think that we could. Okay, Lord, I, I paid you back, I guess. Uh, we're even. Never. <laughs> Absolutely never. Now, I am not discouraging deeds unto the Lord. I, I pray that we go full board ahead, but I, I encourage why and how it is done is all. Because our, inherent, our inheritance was given by the unmerited favor of God. And when we do what we do for Him in His name, it, it is done simply out of gratitude. You know, the Lord is so pleased when we do something for Him in truth. Something in love and in service to Him. And when it is done in His name, it is never forgotten. And when we do things for others, that is what He did when He was here. And guess what? He's still doing it to this day because we pray and He hears. Leading people to Him, leading people into a relationship with Christ is something Jesus wants from all of us to do. We're all... In some form, uh, some form evangelist through whether it be through our preaching or or through our service or or just through our lives. If, if we do not care about the salvation of others, then are we even saved ourselves? You know, I, I love what an older pastor from England I heard once say to uh, people. Uh, what is it that you know people would ask him? What, what do you do for work? And he says, I, I, I'm in the salvaging business. Oh. What is it that you do? Paper, plastic, glass? He said, no, souls. I'm a minister. And I'm in the business of, of salvaging lives. And, and then by that, their souls, and by that, their souls are salvaged as the Lord is the one doing the recycling work. Uh, we could take what King David said best in Psalm chapter 23, the most famous psalm that we know, that he, uh, that he says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But he says later on in the psalm, that he restores my soul. He restores my soul being God who restored his soul in the passage. We are his workmanship. And when he salvages us, he keeps us from the trash pile, or, or better yet, from the burning heat. Because when, when something was not salvaged, it was burned away in the trash then. And to, to this day even, 
But we should never look at ourselves or others with disrespect for those who have been restored. We are the workmanship of Christ and we must keep in mind of that that we are all bound we were all bound were bound for the heap for the fire heap until he came and delivered us amen So now in verse 11 through 13 it says therefore remember that you were uh, once gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were uh, without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You know what's funny is to know that the, the Apostle Paul and his Jewish background, this is the complete opposite of what he enforced in his days uh, as a Pharisee. The, the circumcision of males was mandatory. You know, I'll explain how that worked. Okay, God gave the... Um, God gave that um, the law in the book of Exodus. And I, I taught the book of Exodus. You could go on the website and venture, uh, venture through. Uh, it, even, I, it even spoke about it in Genesis, because the first one to have ever received this was Abraham. So you could find it in Genesis first, and then you could see it more so in Exodus, where he explains why. You know, this, this was something that was an identification to the Jewish people. But it's interesting, it was beyond that of just an identification, it was also, um, there was also good benefits to it, because we do it to this day. You know, doctors to this day circumcise males, you know, you know, on the eighth day, which is what God said. This was God's design. And this was basically a sign of, a, of like a covenant with him in the time of Israel, when, when the male children were born. And it was required that you are to circumcise your male children. Okay, but there is a there was a circumcision of the heart now of what was being referred to in the New Testament. Paul is speaking to a Gentile nation. In fact, he spoke boldly to a nearby region known as the Galatians. Uh, Gal the area of Galatia was also in the uh, Asia Minor area of Turkey, because th there was Judaizers as he was making known. Uh, that they were going around telling the believers that they had to be circumcised as part of, uh, of a form of salvation. And Paul, of all people, said with authority, he said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Because the Gentiles were in a bad place. It, it was beyond the tradition of circumcision with them. They had no eternal hope. The question is as well, when they died, there was no telling what they believed in a pagan place where they thought they'd end up. There was a lot of belief systems out there of people um, reincarnating or going to a particular place. Or There's so many different belief systems, they had no idea that they created them. Paul, what he does, gives the map to eternity by how the road was paved through the death of Christ Jesus. See, there is one thing that Jew and Gentile can be in danger of, and that is spiritual pride. Spiritual pride for Jews, it could be that all well, their faith and their traditions were above everyone else, and, and then for the Gentiles, entrusting something like achieves, achievements, and with what we have, uh, something referred to as replacement theology. 
And replacement theology is, is a belief that the church has actually taken the place of Israel, that God has done with them. God has replaced Israel with the church, and, and uh, he, the church is now in, and the Israel, uh, Israel, the nation of Israel is out. That is not the case. The Bible is very clear that God never gave up on them, Old or New Testament, because that would mean that God does not keep his covenant promises by that belief. So also we can be in danger of, of you know, pride in our salvation when in fact we, we should be the most humble about it because of the humility that Christ showed on the cross. It should be, it should be demonstrated in our lives by that unmerited favor that he gave to us. Paul makes clearly known that if it were not for what God did by sending Christ, we would all be in trouble. Every one of us was in trouble before we said that I believe, before we received him as Lord and Savior. But, you know, he came and he accomplished death by dying and raising on the third day. God brought Jew and Gentile together. And this was something that Paul despised at one point in his life until Christ came to him personally. You know, Christ may be coming to you personally right now as we speak. See, with Paul, he came in a, as a flash of light. And Paul was riding to uh, Damascus in Syria. He, he was on his way over there to arrest Christians that were, were, uh, were professing Christianity in the, in the area of Damascus, Syria. And on his way there, the flash of light came, it knocked Paul off his horse, and Paul was also accompanied by some Roman soldiers. Paul was, uh, Paul was spoken to by Jesus, saying at the time Paul's name was Saul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute, persecute me? And he says, who are you, Lord? It is I, Jesus, who you persecute. And after that, this is what we have. <laughs> this, is, this is the result of what we had from that. From there, the rest was history. When Christ came down and taught Paul for three years in the Arabian desert. And so, with you right now, only you are being called through the heart. It could be an overwhelming desire to say, yes, I want Jesus as Lord and Savior. I don't want to be lost. I want to be in heaven. I want to be loved for all eternity. I want to love the Lord as he loves me. And I pray, you know, I pray that you do that. It is what, this is what this is about, right? Teaching about the Lord and his word, that we may love him more and more and know him more and more. I can't tell you what a joy it is to do it, and I want I want everybody else to share in it too. Because again, the the Lord is always active in our lives. You might not be called to be a teacher, you might not be called to uh, to do certain things, but He's always got something for you in store. So I want to I want to invite you first and foremost that if you feel led, I want you to be able to to say that I am of Him. I have received him. I am now a part of that spiritual adoption that you spoke of in the beginning of this, of this chapter. We are all adopted. We all share in that same boat. We are all family through him. 
You know, we say that we are, uh, we, uh, you know, our biological relatives, that we were blood related. Well, guess what? We're all blood related through the blood of Christ now because of what he did by spilling it on the cross. So I want to make sure that, again, that you know that, that you know that, that the Lord wants you, he loves you, he's been, he's been wanting you. And by that, you can receive him now through a prayer of repentance and acceptance. And you can do that simply just by repeating after me. People said, I, I never knew what to say. It's, it's so simple. He's, he's listening to you right now. So if you feel led, I want you to pray with me and to repeat this after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins, Lord. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask, Lord, for you to forgive me of my sins, Lord. Cleanse me of all of my sins as I thank you for dying on the cross, Lord. Father, I pray that you will be my, my Lord and my Savior and my Father, Lord. That I'd be walking with you all the days of my life. And I ask, Lord, that you would be my Savior, Lord. My Lord, my Father, my guide, my everything. As Lord, as I now receive you in my heart as one of your children, Lord. That you would come and live in me now, Father. As I love you, I praise you and I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed this uh, this part two or this part one of chapter two, and we're going to uh, carry on here pretty soon. So I just want you to go ahead and and to remember, you know, the, the Lord's really he's he's keeping his eye on you at all times. He loves you. He's been wanting you. So let's go ahead and continue to to remember that and to teach others that. We live in a place that's falling apart. And God calls us to be salt and light. And so there was no better salt and light than that of our Savior and our Lord. So seek after Him. Let's continue to walk together and pray together and go through His Word together to see what it is that He's done and continues to do. May God bless you.